everybody, the con artist here. We had so much fun talking about Pokemon last time that I brought back resident Pokemon expert Chris to talk about the second generation of Pokemon, Gold and Silver, which was released in 1999. So one important note before we you know, go into everything, we're old, Chris. We're old. And uh, this is original Pokemon Gold and Silver, okay? So for those of you who are aware of Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, that was released in 2009 for the Nintendo DS. It's not that. Uh, we're talking we're talking the original one. Way back in the day. Um so Chris, I'm excited to have you back. Talk about Pokemon yeah, because you know, we love Pokemon and uh this this generation was also another one of my favorites, like Red Blue and then Gold Silver. I was really really into Pokemon at at this stage of my life. So, it's fun to talk about this one. Yeah, I think this is the starting to where starting to be where Pokemon got really, really big. Yeah, that's true too. And they made a lot of changes in this one, which we're gonna talk about, which I think added a whole new dimension to the way the game was played. Alright, so the game was set in Johto this time, as opposed to Kanto. They added a hundred new Pokemon. Um so just before we get into like everything else about the game. I want to talk about a phenomenon that ran rampant on the internet before these games even came out. Do you remember Pika Blue? I do. This was um this is pretty funny. So why don't you tell our audience about Pika Blue? So on the internet at the time, the internet was very young, so there was a lot of speculating and no one really had all the information. So people saw this uh picture of what would uh, of a blue pokemon with a with a with a tail and it sort of looked like pikachu but it was round and blue so people called it pika blue uh and it showed up in like promotional pictures and there was a uh, promotional short it showed up in uh with the move that, that was coming out with the movie so uh everyone kind of went crazy with the with theories here uh and around the same time in the show, there was like a Pokemon, a Pikachu that surfed. So it was like, ah, that Pikachu is going to somehow turn into Pika Blue. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it was this like cute, round, mousy looking thing. And Chris, the internet was lit with, with, I can say that we're old and woke. So I can say <laughs> these things. The internet, the 1999 internet was, was like lit with theories about Pika Blue. And I just, I remember reading so many and a bunch of people were like, oh my goodness, like Pikachu's gonna super evolve or like specially evolve with something and uh, maybe the water stone and like turn into Pika Blue. It was, it was a, a time and it was quite a riot. Everyone who was everyone was talking about Pika Blue. And then it turns out it's completely unrelated. It's it's it turns out to be Meryl, which is just its own whole thing. Yeah, yeah. For anyone who's curious, it's just Meryl, and that's the end of that. So boo. But um, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. I think to speculate and try and read all those theories back then, because you really didn't have you know all this access you had now, right? The internet only came about what in nineteen ninety three, and you know, so it was, it was a very um, early, nascent time. 
to be having all these cool theories running amok, but... It was, very, it was a very different internet. A very different internet, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so let's, let Chris, let's just go right in. We need to fight about starter Pokemon. <laughs> so as with every generation, uh, you, there was a you know brand new trio of Pokemon to choose from. So your choices were Chikorita, right? Which was this like cute little almost dinosaur-like creature. It had a little leaf on its head. You had Cyndaquil, which kind of looked like a very tiny anteater with a little flame on its back. And then you had Totodile, which was this like bipedal crocodile. So Chris, who is the best starter Pokemon? Well, at the time when I first played this, I chose Cyndaquil. Chris, that is the correct answer. Good job. But Wait, what do you mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> but I've uh, in the modern times, what I would usually go with would be Chikorita. What? Wait, ex explain, <laughs> explain your heresy. Explain how you so, could cheat on Cyndaquil, who's so Cyndaquil's okay, like on its own. But when it evolves, it becomes it becomes like this uh, Quilava and Typhlosion, and they're just not. They don't interest me that much. He he just gets sort of bigger and gets and the and the fire turns into like a weird scarf thing. <clears throat> but Chikorita, this cute dinosaur that's so round and adorable, turns into Bayleaf, which is a great name, and Meganium, which has this this, this has all these flowers going on. So it's just so round, Sue. You have to understand. I I think we're ending the cast. I think I'm kicking you <laughs> off. I don't believe this Pokemon resident expert. I actually, honestly, I agree that Chikorita is really cute. Was super cute in the show. And Bayleaf and Meganium are... I, I agree they are superiorly designed changes. But I love Kulava so much because... You remember when we talked about in Red and Blue how all the middle evolutions of your starters look terrible? Kulava looks like such a little punk because like he, he uh -huh. looks like this little ferret kind of and he just has his his flames are drawn two dimensionally. So he looks like he has a little mohawk and like he uh -huh. should be in a biker gang or something. And I'm like, yes, this. Also, they, they look so like soft and minx like so. Uh -huh. I was a big fan of of okay. the Cyndaquil line, and Typhlosion just looks like an even bigger like weasel creature. So I was just like, "Oh, Typhlosion!" So, so what do you what do you think about Totodile? Okay, though? Totodile is trash. I'm just gonna <laughs> out there. I'm so, like Totodile gets the absolute short end of the stick because he's super uh -huh. cute. I actually think from a intro design, he's adorable, and then. Like, Croconaw looks like, you know, you fed him one too many Twinkies. Like, he looks like the dinosaurs. You remember that 90s show, Chris, the dinosaurs? Please tell me you remember the show. I do. Okay, he looks like he belonged on that. And then, he evolved, like, Feraligator looks like he needs a cane or a walker or something. Like, he's all hunched over. Like, he's still bipedal. Uh -huh. But he's all, like, hunched over. And just, like, I don't even know how he moves around. 
He's just like, oh, yeah. man. Like, where's my nursing home? You know? Like, yeah. oh, for alligator. Yeah, his evolutions are garbage. Yes, absolutely. Garbage evolutions. Yes. So, no, no to Totodile. I'm sorry, Totodile. <laughs> At least we can agree on the worst one. Yes. Yeah. I think that one was, was easy. Okay. Now that you've betrayed me, the correct answer was Cyndaquil. Unbelievable. So, uh-huh. Let's let's move on to some of the the changes that were made. So, uh, for for those of you youngins that are used to like seven thousand Pokemon types, okay, those didn't exist back in the day. Uh, Dark and Steel got added in in this iteration, Gen two. Uh, these were really great additions. Like at first, I don't, I didn't know that I was that into it. I, you know, I wasn't much of a battler, but I was just like, ah, why are you like changing up my world by adding these in? And uh, they ended up being great. Like I really liked Pokemon like Umbreon and Steelix. And, you know, if you were someone who was into the battles, this was, I think, a whole new layer of strategy. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing with that is is that Steel and Dark were sort of added in to stop psychic Pokemon from being crazy like they were in the first game. Yes. Because uh, you have Dark that's completely immune to psychic, and you have uh, Steel that's like half resistant, and Dark is super effective against psychic. So you have a lot of stuff going going to uh, try and counter how out of the out of out of the park uh psychic was going in the first game yeah yeah that's very true because psychic was just so broken in the original um and then ghost still gets screwed ghost is still the worst ghost and bug poor ghost and bug just uh -huh. trash they did fix ghost a little bit though right did they was, was this around time they, they added separated they added some actual poison moves out? to ghost okay okay that was the the big problem with Ghost to begin with, is that it didn't have any moves that were actually Ghost type. What was Nightshade? Nightshade was special because it dealt damage equal to your level. Oh. So you couldn't do super effective. Oh, man, red and blue, silly, silly. Yeah. That's that's hmm. man. So um, of all the new Pokemon they introduced, Chris, what are what were some of your favorites? So my favorite, my favorite of all the Pokemon that exist. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Secrets right? revealed. Is in this generation uh, is Skarmory. Oh, wow. Okay. It's the flying steel, like metal bird Pokemon. Skarmory has a very like elaborate design for something of that gen. I don't even know what kind of bird you would sort of describe it as, but... Like in in real it's life, just completely, it's completely made of metal, so there's no possible way that it could fly, and yet it's this amazing flying metal bird. It's great. Do you like it for the impracticality of it, or do you actually like? like I like the it design? for the impracticality and the design, and just that it's steel type. Steel type is is I think the coolest type. Okay, all right. Um. But some other ones that I like, uh, I also liked the the sheep line, Mareep, Flaffy, and Ampharos, uh, the electric sheep. I love Mareep. I think Mareep's design is like just 
beautiful. Like it looks just like a sheep, but then it's like this little ball tail that lights up and uh -huh. you're like, oh, so cute. And, and then it evolves into like a sort of, you know, awkward sheep. Yeah, Flaffy's definitely the awkward phase. And then it turns into this like dragon thing with no fur, no, no, nothing. <laughs> yeah, Ampharos is It's got is these bizarre. little flippers. It's like the same person who designed uh, Dragonite. They're uh -huh. like, okay, we're, we're looking good. Everything's like, what, what did you make, man? How drunk did you go and get at the bar and make this design? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ampharos is weird. Uh, and then I liked Octillery, which is this octopus that, that has, like, a cannon on its face. <laughs> yeah, it looked very Legend of Zelda-esque. Yeah, it's definitely Octorok yep. uh, related. Uh, I liked Sneasel. He's just this, like, mischief ice claw guy. Sneasel has, like, the best snood face. Uh-huh. Like, it's just always up to something. Yeah. And and uh, Hitmontop. Just really? The, just for the ridiculousness of it. Uh, it's this Pokemon that's based off of Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee, from the original games, which are like the punching and kicking Pokemon. And Hitmontop is just this Pokemon that gets on its head and spins around and kicks people. Just spinning around on its head. It's nonsense. Hitmontop um, is like who you bring to the club to help you in the yeah. breakdancing competition. Yeah. Yeah. And the fun thing with that is that uh, they also inter introduced Tyrogue, which was a pre-evolution to all three of the Pokemon, Hitmonchan, Hitmonlee, and Hitmontop, and it would evolve depending on what its stats were when it hit the evolution level. So if it had if it had higher or lower attack than defense, and if they were equal, then you get Hitmontop. So it was very, there was very precise to try. Yeah, it was and get a razor's it. edge to get that that breakdancing bro. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think we'll we'll talk about the pre-evolutions, I think, a little later in the cast, because that was a huge change yeah. that was brought into play. Uh, I really like Scissor, for some of the same reasons you like Skarmory. I think Scissor's really beautifully designed, and it was the steel type of Scyther. Yeah, uh, steel yeah. is the coolest type. The coolest type. Um, I am a big fan of Dark, but steel is a really cool type. Uh, Lantern, I thought, had a very elegant design and is super cute. Uh -huh. Obviously, Mareep. Um, I loved the Eevee evolutions they added this time around. I think Umbri and Espy are really good looking. Um, Steelix, again, steel type. A cool mm -hmm. type. Like, Steelix is so neat and menacing looking. Like, the way parts of its body spin, sort of at separate rotations. Like, it looks very menacing. And I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Ursa, because it's cute. Swinub, because I like want a pet Swinub. It's just like this, <laughs> like, it's just a semicircle. If, you, if you're not uh -huh. into Pokemon, look up Swinub. It's just this like semicircle fluffy thing with the little pig snout. And it's, it's so got cute. like the squinty eyes. Yeah, the little squint eyes. And I'm like, I just want it on my lap. And I want to give it pets and hear it be like, oink, oink, Swinub. Uh, Fanpy, because I think baby elephants are adorable. Tyranitar, because it's so cool. <laughs> the coolest uh-huh and lugia because i i just think lugia's design like with all the curves it's it's a really beautiful like 
pleasant to the eye design. It's a little hard for yeah. me to describe, but like your eye can just like follow its curvature just all the way around. And it looks it looks really beautiful when it like the fact that it can like curl up into a perfect ball and then like open back up and, and the design still works is really, really nice. Yeah. Of the two headliner legendaries, definitely Lugia is the better one. Lugia is vastly superior. Uh, Ho is this weird fire chicken thing. <laughs> I don't even know. Ho is like, <laughs> like, like gold, like threw up all over a chicken. Basically, <laughs> it just looks so bizarre. I don't even know with Ho. A little, little much, little extra. <laughs> I think that's mm -hmm. how to describe yeah. Ho. Lugia definitely is the better, better looking one. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, just to run through some of the technical upgrades, uh, the game looked beautiful on the Game Boy Color. I mean, seeing Pokemon in color was like an absolute shock, right? We're used to black and white and sepia tones, and all of a sudden Game Boy Color gave us like hues of red, green, blue. There were like browns, and there was even, you know, some element of shading, because you could get like slightly different browns, you know? So... The um, buildings looked looked a little shaded, and it was it was really incredible. It was an incredible time, and it's hard to describe for people who are so used to like movie quality graphics in video games. But this was a tremendous leap. Yeah, to, to the add jump, color. the jump from original Game Boy, this huge clunky brick that's got green and black are the only two colors. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, sepia. jumping to an actual color screen. It's just amazing. Yeah. I, I still think the Game Boy Color is like one of the most beautiful pieces of, of engineering. Mine still works, by the way, in case anyone's curious. Ooh. Amazing. Um, the sound was more crisp. I think we had, you know, more options from from a sound perspective to play with. I mean, you had a hundred new Pokemon to add sounds for, and I remember the sounds for uh the Pokemon we we know and love from red and blue were you know even even more enhanced so it just it sounded good it looked good it was a whole new adventure i want to be the very best like no one ever was uh-huh okay so let's talk a little bit about balance now and i think chris i'm gonna let you take over a bit because this was this is where your pokemon expertise comes into play um i think you already discussed the psychic and i believe dragon right we're just ridiculous yeah. in the first dragon game. was also pretty ridiculous in the first game even though there was only one actual dragon type pokemon uh the dratini dragonair dragonite line um it, they, they were still crazy so you had uh steel come in that that resists it a little bit and that kind of smoothed that out um but i think one of the big changes that they put in this generation that is unbelievable from like a modern standpoint is that they turned the special stat from the original game into special attack and special defense cuz originally if you had a pokemon with high special then it was just this powerhouse that had high attack and defense because the special stat was used for both. And now you can have that separate because attack and defense for physical moves was already separate. Uh, but splitting special out into that made you actually have to think about what Pokemon you used instead of just picking the high stat special Pokemon and rolling over somebody 
completely. Were the psychic types the ones with the high special and red? Oh and yeah, most of the special, most of the psychic types had high special because most of the psychic attacks were special attacks. So oh that was some goodness. of the problem too. I am amazed that in QC, no one ever looked at this. Like, I understand there's 150 different creatures and and whatnot, but it felt like at some point someone should have played this and been, like, crushing the rest of their team with freaking Alakazam or something. And everyone should have looked and been like, this seems not right. So, yeah, from from here on, the stats get a lot more sensible. Yeah, so this was a huge change to split split that out, and I mean, I didn't even know this. I really had to look it up and uh, you know read about it. So it was it was a really interesting you know tidbit that seems very subtle, but like you said, we started to nuance the the, the Pokemon to differentiate the attack and defense and and stratify that a bit. Yeah, and then they also added some some new some new Pokemon, like actually adding ghost types to the to the game, actually adding uh another dragon uh with with Kingdra. Uh it was you know it was good to have more choices than the original one fifty. So Chris, just out of curiosity, if we cut off Pokemon at 251 i guess 252 if we count celebi but uh just you know red blue gold silver was that when the game was like balanced like would you say it really really was balanced out by this point with the addition of of dark and steel or were there still like kinks in there i think there were still kinks in there and and there just the existence of more pokemon and more pokemon keeps making it I think a little more even out, especially for the types that don't have very many good representatives. Um, Cause yeah, you, you just have Pokemon with new type combinations all the time. Uh, and uh, we're not talking about fairy type right now, but that comes along later. Yeah. I had to look that up too. I was like, when did that get introduced? But yeah, the the fairy types would come into play in a, in a different generation. All right, interesting. So all the all the technical know how about the stats. So one really quick, Chris, was it easier to tell if you had like a one hundred percent Pokemon, like the way you blew my mind in red and blue that that nonsense <laughs> existed, which I still can't believe. Was it was it easier to figure out if you had like the perfect? geodude this time not yet but okay. there were there were sites on the internet where you could put in the pokemon and all of its stats and it would tell you how good your pokemon was because <laughs> they had all the all the formulas and stuff but there's just no way to tell in game other than doing a bunch of math and it would be a little it would there it would be a little off because if you do any battling you get those effort value stats Holy moly. The um the statistics behind and like some of the number crunching behind Pokemon continues to blow my mind because Oh my goodness. I just, I just was never on that level. It's so beyond me. But that's that's pretty funny. I, I bet it was some like really trashy GeoCities site too <laughs> that would give you all those stats that all the, oh, yeah. in the background. Yes. 
your your classic internet forums with the square square buttons and and no uh no style. <laughs> yes, web design hadn't been invented. We we under, we went to websites before they were cool, just in case everyone's listening and paying attention. All right, let's move on a bit to a super big change, day and night. So the game had day and night cycles. And uh, certain Pokemon would only occur in the daytime or the nighttime, and it actually made sense. It wasn't very random. You know, you had a Pokemon called Hoot Hoot, which was this little owl with one leg, and it would only appear at nighttime, because that makes sense. You actually had to evolve Pokemon at certain times in order to get what you wanted, Umbreon and Espeon, you know, the easiest example. You had to evolve them in day or night. Uh, this, this was a pretty huge change. Like, once again, it seems like something very subtle, but this was a pretty big deal. And I think it added, like, a layer of world building, too, right? Like, these creatures actually exist and are a part of the world. Like, they coincide with nature. Yeah, it's really a lot. It adds a lot. And even more than just day and night. It added like a clock feature that would match your actual real time clock. So it wasn't just you'd have day and night whenever. It was day and night Great in the real point. world. I didn't uh, even remember that. Your Poke yeah. Gear was was time to the real world? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um and and when you have different days of the week, certain things only happen on different days of the week, too. Really? How I don't remember this at all. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Dang. Take that, Animal Crossing. You think you're so inventive? Pokemon had this clock that was clearly following us, you know, and following the days of the week. Dang! Chris, I did not remember this at all. Do you remember any any event or Pokemon that occurred, like, only on a Thursday or something? Yeah, um, speaking of Thursday, uh, the bug catching contest was only on i think tuesday and thursday and saturday uh so you'd go to the the bug park the, na- the it, it, and do this contest to try and catch the biggest bug uh and that was its whole own thing because it wasn't based on level or or anything like that it just was sort of arbitrary <laughs> which one was the best bug like rarity mattered a little bit, but it was it was pretty arbitrary. Oh, okay, so the answer wasn't Heracross every time. Well, if you could catch it, it was pretty rare. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And you had to actually like hit trees. You had this ability called Headbutt, and you could hit trees, and bugs would fall out of them. And yeah, I was like yes, this makes so much sense. Again, you know, just like really in tune with the world building and and nature uh-huh. and. You know, these creatures feel like they're part of, of Johto as you explore it. And it's kind of this exciting moment when you headbutt a tree, because sometimes you get, like, Heracross or something awesome like that, or sometimes you get Pineco and it explodes in your face. Yeah. Like, literally expo- explodes. Yeah. Stupid Pineco. Ugh. And then half the time you would just get, what, Spinarak or something? And you're like, yeah. oh, lame. Boring. But, but yeah, the the big one there was Heracross. So there was one other thing that got introduced, um, 
What was it, Chris? The introduction of shiny Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon of different colors that would sparkle when, when they appear. It's this super rare thing that happens like once in thousands of times to actually get us put shiny Pokemon in the wild. Uh, in Gold and Silver, it was actually based on what the stats of the Pokemon were. So it had to have a certain stat combination to be shiny. And you could uh, sort of guess, you could you could put in to a uh, a form online again to figure out what, what stats any Pokemon needed to have uh, to be shiny when you get it. Oh my goodness. The internet was was all on top of this dang Um, but like so most people aren't gonna encounter a shiny pokemon in the wild normally uh but in the game in the plot itself they have the red gyarados uh that team rocket sort of creates and you have to and you have to fight it and uh you can catch it so that's like the one shiny pokemon that everyone could have that, that 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 showed them that it was possible and then you never get one year uh, for real now did you did you have any shiny pokemon no i didn't and actually i somehow in my head i did not put two and two together that the red gyarados equated to them adding shinies like i was just like oh this was some just a plot point where they did a color swap to do something interesting or once again to show that you know nature makes them occur slightly differently. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it. No, I I didn't have any shinies. I was unaware that mm-hmm. you could achieve shinies. <laughs> so wait, you could do it. It was possible in the wild it to catch possible. a shiny type. Yeah. Um. I had a shiny, uh, hoot hoot. What? Yeah. Which is which is actually funny because in the pokemon anime that's what ash catches ash catches a shiny hoot hoot or and and, or a shiny knock he has a shiny knock towel proof that chris is a pokemon pro i was i was right in tune with the anime there amazing wow i dang i was I, i i didn't have these and i genuinely wasn't aware of their existence so yeah it's, it's like a one in so thousand chance it's like several thousand oh i need to be more in tune with the 1999 internet i think that was my problem i was yeah. like skulking these forums and like learning learning yeah. all these things i was way too way too obsessed with filling out the pokedex so i was like do i have mm-hmm. all the entries uh-huh so i was, yeah. I was a naturalist and clearly you were like pro level over there <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely was on top of all of that. I'm so impressed. Um, Dang. And the other thing that they introduced that I thought was really cool was they had these, uh, the trees that you could shake. Like, you could headbutt some trees, but you could shake other trees, and you'd get berries and apricorns. And you could turn the apricorns into pokeballs that were like the original natural form of pokeballs and they all had special effects like you had the the balls that were better at catching bug pokemon or better at catching water pokemon or whatever and you had all of these different pokeballs because in the original you had like regular great ball and ultra ball 
and then Master Ball, you get one of. Unless you cheat, which I did. Me too! <laughs> um, but now there's all different types that do different things, and I thought that's, that was really cool. It adds a little, um, a little extra strategy to catching Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, it really does. That was a, a really nice feature. I agree. Okay, so let's move on to the, I think, the biggest change, in my opinion, and this was Pokemon Breeding. It was a breeding center uh, that you could have Pokemon of, you know, the same Pokemon of, of two genders come in and then create an egg and get another Pokemon out of it. So we got a little taste of gender in the first game, right? Because we had the Nidoran line. You need her in male and female that became Nido King or Nido Queen, respectively. Yeah. But that was it. They were basically separate Pokemon and they just sort of mirrored each other. They weren't like related. Correct, yeah. And in, in this in Gold and Silver, we really upped the ante completely. Every single Pokemon has gender outside of like Ditto. Ditto <laughs> yeah, was weird, unknown. Weird Pokemon. Yeah, certain Pokemon did not. Um, but yeah, and then there was, there was even like question mark stuff. Cause I believe our, like Hitmonchans are only male. Like there are no yeah, female Hitmonchans them... and you're like, okay. Yeah. For some of the Pokemon, there's different rates of male and female, like, especially with the starters, uh, most of, in, in all the games, you're going to find that the starters aren't 50, 50. The starters are almost always male and very rarely female. Um, and that's because the female type uh, determines which um, which Pokemon you get out of the egg when you do breed them. It's it's going to match the female type. Oh, so wow. okay, it makes okay. the it makes them a little extra rare to be able to to breed. Ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Once again, Pokemon Pokemon expert Chris giving you all the goods uh -huh. on these games. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, you had a gender when you caught caught the pokemon so you started to pay attention to that attribute there's a daycare center like i said you put two pokemon in you know a male and a female and here was the neat part if they got along then you would get an egg they actually had programmed like preferences into these pokemon you'd put two of them in and like if they weren't into each other it wasn't gonna happen like it wouldn't just it wasn't just a, a mechanic Right? Like, you had to click on them, I think. Like, once you put them in there, it would be like, Pokemon, you know, B shows an interest in Pokemon A. And you were yeah. like, oh, okay, now maybe I'll get an egg out. And there was, like, different chances based on the interest level. Well, there's different egg groups. Each each Pokemon's part of, like, different groups of egg uh, type. So, like, you have... The, the Pokemon basically have to be pretty similar to each other. Like, you can have birds and birds, but you can't have, like birds and steelix <laughs> okay it doesn't yeah. work that, that makes a lot of sense okay interesting yeah so this is how we got baby pokemon uh, you know as if pikachu wasn't like capturing the hearts of children everywhere they uh chibified pikachu into pichu this like you know shrunken pikachu with huge eyes very cute uh, there was also Iglybuff, which was the pre-evolution of Jigglypuff. You had Smoochum, which was the pre-evolution of Jinx. 
Magby. Still disturbing. Yes. Still very creepy. Uh, it was really fun. At work, when we those appeared in Pokemon Go, my uh, the woman who worked in finance who was really into the game with me, she was like, oh, it's baby Nicki Minaj. <laughs> because <laughs> Jinx, you know, is on the internet, is accepted as, as Nicki Minaj. So she was like, it's baby Nicki Minaj. And I was like, still weird. Still creepy. Uh, Magby, who was, you know, Magmar's pre-evolution. Elikid, who was uh, Electabuzz's pre-evolution, right? Tyrogue, which, Chris, I think you got to talk about, which is a really neat one, you know, because Tyrogue could, could split one of three ways, depending on how the stats went. Uh, Cleffa for Clefairy, and Togepi from the TV show. So, Chris, were you Togepi like- is this little egg. Yes. And like stays thing in the poking egg. out of an egg. It's I half know. hatched. It's a little critter with like an egg bottom and spiky little head on top. Like perfect little anime uh, mm-hmm. mascot. Just it was, great. It was so adorable. Yep. Everybody wanted a Togepi. It was the new Pikachu. Yes. Yeah, definitely was the money winner out. So Chris, it sounds like you got pretty into the breeding. Like, did you did you read the forums? Did you understand the stats? I think I just did what was necessary, like, talking to my friends in order to get the Pokemon that I wanted. I wasn't, like, that into breeding, like, stronger types. Because the other thing uh, that, you know, Chris kind of alluded to is that you could breed, like, two Mareeps, let's say, right? And then get a stronger Mare- or, like, two Ampharoses and get a stronger Mareep, something like that. Could you? Yeah, you could sort of mess around stats? with the stats. It was less, much less at the time than you can nowadays. You, but um, yeah, you could you could sort of combine two strong Pokemon and get one that's sort of a combination of how strong both of them are. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't nearly as as a uh, as possible as there what they didn't help you as much as they do now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I didn't actually get into breeding a lot during, during this time. Uh, it wasn't really until later games when it became a whole thing for me, but, uh, there definitely was some, some happening. Uh, one of the things you would do breeding with that was, that was nice was you could breed your starter Pokemon. Like I said, it's rare to get a female one, but you can do it uh if you reset the game a lot or you can cheat and use ditto because ditto can breed with anything right yeah ditto is a wild card um but you could breed your starter pokemon and get extras of those uh which was you know something new uh and you could trade those around if you had friends that's super cool did you like restart your game a bunch and and get a female no, at the, no, not at not not in gold and silver, uh, <laughs> not at the time. But uh, that's definitely a, a thing that ha- started happening in later games for me. <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, one thing I do think is, you know, always neat about the game is that they only ever gave you that one save file right so when you were restarting it was like giving up on a whole journey you know it wasn't like save file one two and three where i can muck about with with my pokedex or or things like that restart a bunch to try and get a female starter so 
Yeah. You're on that single journey and you didn't want to betray that single journey and the friends you were making along the way. Mm -hmm. so, so, Chris, who is the cutest baby Pokemon? You can't choose Togepi. Ah, uh, okay. No, Togepi's out, okay? And you can't choose Pichu. Just because I feel like that's like too obvious a choice. <laughs> uh -huh. You gotta unfair, take extremes Unfair advantage. Out. Yeah, take those extremes out. So no Pichu, no Togepi. You have to choose from the other okay. ones. I really like uh, Elekid. With the little, uh, the with plug? The little, it's got, yeah, it's head? got a plug for a head, which is great, I think. Elekid is beautifully designed. I have to go with Cleffa because it just, it looks like this adorable little kid has like a little tuft of hair and then it has the two little ears, which are different uh -huh. colors, which make it look like it's wearing a little hat with ears. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cleffa is, it's great too. Cleffa's so cute. Cute, cute baby Pokemon. Uh, and the thing with the baby Pokemon uh, was that they didn't evolve by based on their level. Um, they would evolve based on like their happiness, which was a, a new thing that was in the game too. Is when you have a Pokemon in your party, and when it wins, or if you like, you know, walk around with it a lot, it becomes happier. And when it becomes happy enough, then the baby would would evolve. Uh, it wouldn't just happen at a certain level. Huh, I didn't remember this either. Okay, so there was a happiness stat. Was was this only for the babies, or would all your Pokemon have a happiness stat? Uh, all of them would have it, but the babies were where it was, like, the most, the most obvious. Okay. Wow. Um, I think there might have been, like, one or two moves that were based on friendship. Your happiness. Dang. Friendship is magic. Friendship is strategy here in the world of Pokemon. Huh. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't recall that. Interesting. Yeah, I think it just like got the, the munchkins out and then just, you know, the Pokedex was filled. I was still all about the Pokedex. Just yeah. as an aside, were you were you kind of playing the same way you did with red and blue like whoever you caught you caught or were you a little more obsessed with getting everything this time around or how was it it was pretty much whoever i caught i caught um because i still i still did not interact with other people for this game so i i was on my own getting so i only was able to get the uh the silver exclusive pokemon i wasn't able to get uh ho -Oh, i wasn't able to get any of the uh the version exclusives like um uh like uh spinnerack and, and and gliger i never uh never dealt with okay all right yeah again my my sister and i had game boy colors i had gold she had silver and so we traded with each other and and my friends who lived around the block were still obsessed with the game at this point so we were definitely trading with each other uh, so still totally obsessed with getting the whole decks that was yeah that was all all me all the time mm -hmm. but, but huh yeah i didn't i didn't really do a lot of trading uh so i didn't i wasn't even able to get uh scissor and steelix because you oh, had to trade no! those with the you had to use the metal coat to trade those to get those to evolve right so i i never 
I never had had uh, access to those without having someone to trade with. Right. Yeah. Oh no, that's tragic, Chris. That's tragic. Chris, do you have a Game Boy Color that works? Like, I feel like I should turn on gold and you should turn on silver and we should, like, relive your existence. But this time, I will let you have that Steelix. It's gonna happen. Uh, I'm sure it's in a box somewhere and it probably does still work. All right, well. One of the one of the things you gotta watch out for, though, is if the, uh, if the battery in the cartridge dies, then the clock stops working. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the cartridge had its own battery uh, that would that would hold what what time it is. Okay, all right, that it's a good chance that's long gone. Goodness, yeah. So we're probably in trouble, huh? All right, well, yeah. So breeding super huge, and uh, let's let's jump to our next topic. I think which is. I wanted to briefly talk about gym leaders. I realized when we did Red and Blue, we didn't talk about them much, but they're, you know, a very integral part of your journey, obviously, collecting all these badges to get to the Elite Four, who were super cool in the original one. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it's, it's interesting. It's not like the gym leaders had this immense presence or anything, because, you know, you go through the gym, you beat them up, you steal, you know, you take their badge, earn their badge, I guess you should say, you're not stealing anything. You earn the badge and then you move on with your life. But I felt like, you know, as you were going through the gym, people would come up to you and they'd, they'd have a little phrase, right? Like they'd be like, oh, I serve with Lieutenant Surge in the war. Like he's, he's, you know, the most amazing guy or like Lieutenant Surge pulled me out of a, a trench once, <laughs> you know, he's the man or like, you know, everyone who talked about Sabrina, right, was just like, oh, we don't talk about Sabrina. Sabrina is so, like, mystical and terrifying and stuff. Or, like, Erica. I remember distinctly, like, er all the ladies in the gym and with Erica, they're like, Mistress Erica is just the most fabulous lady, right? Yeah, especially uh, when you when you go to the anime. Yes! Because they didn't really get a lot of chance for characterization in the game, so you kind of had to go to the anime to... Uh learn anything right but between the dialogue that they gave you and the and the posing like even without color i think red and blue like gave you this understanding of who these characters were and then was enhanced by the tv show where they got real personalities but i'm, I'm not gonna lie to you i didn't remember a single gym leader from gold and silver <laughs> i had to look this up you know for our notes for this cast and I was like, who are these people? And I vaguely remembered once I started looking at the list, like, for Red and Blue, just, just really quick, I, I love, you know, Brock and Misty just because we loved them from the show. Sabrina, I thought was so great. And her character in the show is phenomenal. And Koga, I always thought was kind of cool just because he's a ninja. Like, gotta, uh -huh. gotta love the ninja. So, from, from Gold and Silver, I liked Claire a lot, because she commanded dragons, and she had this, like, she, she wore this, like, leotard with high boots and a cape, and, like, she, she just looked like the coolest lady on Earth, riding these dragons around, and I was like, that lady. I aspire to be that lady someday. Uh, the other one was Jasmine, because Jasmine was just, like, this sweet little girl, and then... She had a Steelix, like, and in my head, just the juxtaposition of those two was phenomenal. <laughs> She's like, I have the steel types. And you're like, of course you do. You, you wispy little thing. 
Of course you do, because this is an anime, <laughs> and why wouldn't you, you know, be in possession uh-huh. of a Steelix and be a gym leader? So Jasmine was great. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like any of these other people had any impression on me whatsoever. No, not 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 really. They're, the the gym leaders all are kind of very broad. Uh, like you'd have Bugsy, that's just like a bug catcher, and his name is Bugsy. That's it. Yep, that was it. <laughs> the first guy was Faulkner, who you know, as long as you had an electric type, you just wiped the floor with him because he had birds. Uh-huh. Um, I liked. Uh, in the first game, I liked Blaine, uh, because he's this, like, crazy scientist guy with giant, you know, comedy glasses and a, and a huge mustache, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, filled that and, role well. Yeah, in the, in the gold and silver, I definitely have to go with Claire. Uh, she's got the best outfit, for one, like you said. And she has this connection, like she actually gets some backstory. <laughs> she has this connection to Lance, and she's like, you know, got got all this uh, sort of dragon legacy thing going on uh, with the. There was like a dragon shrine. Yeah, Claire for the win. For the win. Okay. Uh, yeah. So gym leader is not so interesting. It's okay. I think some of them got better as as they went on, but this generation not so great. Uh so instead of legendary birds like we had in Gen 1, we had legendary dogs instead. So it was Entei for fire type, Raikou for electric and Suicune for ice. Um Now correct me was was Suicune ice, right? Not water. I believe, uh, I think ice, yeah. Okay. Because I think it matched up to the to the same ones as the original birds. Oh yeah, that would make right. Articuno was ice. Yes. So, what did you think of those? Like, were you into the the legendary dogs? Did you think they were cool? So the thing with the legendary dogs, or uh, some people would say that they're cats. I was just about to say. Suicune is the most is beautifully designed. Like I love Suicune's design. It has this like luscious anime flowing hair, like so good. Mm-hmm. But like Entei and Raikou, I'm sorry, those are cats. Like yeah, their faces are cat like. Raikou is a lion and like a panther, th- uh, saber tooth tiger type thing. Yes, they look like cats. They're definitely cats. Uh, it's never referred to as like dogs or cats in the in the game. People just sort of decided uh but yes yeah, suicune yes yeah, suicune was water uh actually oh okay all right um but like the thing with the legendary dogs slash cats wait go back that... so did the game not call them legendary dogs no Is they were we made uh, up they, i think in the game they're legendary beasts oh my goodness they might not even be referred to by like name because they only uh show up in the game at the uh at the tower where they all sort of appear and then run away right okay uh, chris i've been screwing this up for ages i could have sworn <laughs> that the game called them legendary dogs <laughs> no there were huge fights wowza okay 
Um, but yeah, the thing with them is that they didn't stay in one place. They would run around the map, and you'd have to chase after them to find them. Uh, and that was too hard for my little child brain, so I didn't actually catch any of the legendary cat dogs uh, in the original uh, Gold and Silver. But in Crystal, in Crystal, the special extra bonus game, they let you catch Suicune without having to chase him down. So, because he's the uh, he's the face of that game. So, I managed to get him in Crystal because they made it easy. They took uh, they took pity on us on us poor, stupid children. But yeah, they would run around the map, and every time you uh, run into them, they'd either run away or they'd use roar and make you run away. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So you have to keep chasing them down. Oh my goodness. Chris, you have like high highs by being Ash Ketchum and catching a shiny hoot hoot, and then like low lows by not catching any of the legendary cat dogs. Like, uh -huh. I was all over this on the map. I was just like, gotta have them. Uh -huh. <laughs> so chasing them down. Chasing they them just move everywhere. around all the time. Yeah. This was, that was a neat mechanic, right? Having to like run around on the map and, and explore a whole bunch. Yeah, I think that was a really cool thing for them to do, but uh, I was not nearly dedicated enough at the time, apparently. Makes sense. And actually, yeah, I know I keep reiterating this, but once again, you know, giving us this feeling of them being these legendary creatures that are a part of nature, that are a big deal, right? Like, they would roar and you would run in the other direction, right? Or they would take off and move around the map, these these mystical forces. It just made the game so much more immersive, right? You're really getting sucked yeah. into this world of Pokemon. Because, like, the legendary birds, they were just hanging out <laughs> in caves and stuff. And you're like, oh, it's an Articuno. Uh, I'll uh -huh. catch it with my cheatsy master ball that I made 700 of, right? So <laughs> it, it it didn't have that same effect, but the the cat dogs moving around the map yeah it made them feel it made them feel, feel really powerful, special, yeah. Uh, and the fact that they did show up early in the game in the tower to like tease you. Yes. Made them made them made them sort of more interesting than the birds that kind of just are there. Yes. Correct. <laughs> correct. So I think we've, you know, expounded a whole bunch about the game. It was fantastic, like an amazing leap uh with with these two games and I think you and I were still very clearly sucked in. Uh this was actually the end of my Pokemon journey. My sister played Crystal. But I did not play Pokemon for a really long time. I didn't own a Game Boy Advance. So if we just give people a teaser of where the games went next, if you're not into Pokemon, things like Ruby Sapphire. Like I skipped all of that. Um, Diamond Pearl, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I skipped you know, everything after that because I did not own... Uh, another handheld until I bought a DS Lite very late in life. And at that point, I believe they were on black and white. And I didn't have friends that played anymore. And I think for me, I didn't want to take the lonely journey of playing Pokemon by myself. Um, 
But, so, you know, listening to you enjoy it by yourself, Chris, like, sometimes I feel like I I should just pick one because my DS still works. Just just pick one of those and just go on the journey all for me. You know what I mean? I know you can buy some on the Switch now. I think they brought out, like... Mm-hmm. Some of them are on Virtual Console. And then there's, like, the the remakes, like you said, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. There's remakes for Ruby and Sapphire, too. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, it's it's perfectly... You know, you're perfectly capable of taking that the journey on your own and enjoying yourself. You know, once again, really amazing that these games just straddled that whole arena. You know, you could play them by yourself, you could play them with other people and get the experience you wanted out of them. So these games were great. Let's let's just end with uh, talking about media. Uh, you know, what were you still watching the TV show at this point? I certainly oh, yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was watching the show and then the, uh, you know, they had the whole new series with uh, Pokemon Johto, the, which had a new opening theme and it had uh, like new characters, except for Ash and Misty. Uh, Brock just sort of decides to leave it's true he stayed with what professor ivy we got tracy yeah, instead professor ivy who doesn't exist in any of the games i know yeah you're just like okay you're just gonna dump brock off over here yep yep leave him get tracy mm-hmm. I, I really yeah. wasn't into tracy i felt like the show had betrayed me when we got rid of brock uh-huh. i'm gonna tell you it was it was a tough switch yeah, no, I think I think that's that's the story for everyone that I've ever talked to. Did you ever get used Tracy's... to him? You kind of liked him after a while. No, no, <laughs> just like, he's just bad. No, done. Yeah, Tracy, eh. trash. Yeah, I I think um, the TV show I think was still doing a decent job of like following along with the games at this point too. So it. It was nice to have both of those and, and really just be sucked full tilt into the world of, of Pokemon and, and have an enhancement for some of the stuff you're playing in the game. So cool, cool beans. TV show yeah. was still rocking it. Uh, they brought up Pokemon the movie 2000. So I, I yeah. made a comment about the legendary birds and how they just felt like things which you had to find at random in red, blue. You know, 2000 wasn't nearly as good as... Pokemon the first movie, but it did make the legendary birds these big, booming forces of nature, right? Like Yeah, so it comes out, like, between the red, blue, and gold, silver seasons. It's sort of this in-between thing. That's where the, uh, the Peek-a-Blue movie short uh, showed up, and uh, it introduces, uh, like, Lugia... As as the the you know new cool legendary that's not ho oh, um, but what happens is that like the elements get thrown into balance and the three legendary birds end up fighting each other and and everything is going to explode, uh, unless Lugia fixes it. Right, and Giovanni 
had like captured the birds, right? And he was using them to power this like ridiculous blimp or dirigible or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was something crazy. And mm-hmm. it was just like, what is even happening? The scale got so big, but it did make the birds, you know, really seem like mystical forces of nature. You know, it's not like Ash ever catches one of these things, right? That's not, There's not even a chance of that in the TV yeah, show. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're not you're not messing with those. So super cool. Yeah, it gives them a little bit of uh a little bit of of purpose. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, Chris, were you still were you playing the card game at this point and collecting the cards? I never I never actually played the card game. Okay, but you collected the cards? Uh no, I I had you know whatever random cards i would get like as presents or whatever from people who knew i was into pokemon but didn't look further into it (laughs) okay all right that surprises me i thought you would have like been really into it it's a beautiful art i was really Uh into the cards i didn't play the game much i just i just wanted the pretty art on the cards and to have them all in that like a sleeve like people collect a base the way baseball cards like i would have them all in order yeah in in my binder for the no you have to understand that at the time i was playing magic the gathering okay okay and so the pokemon game was like oh second eh, tier second not cool it's like a licensed product it's for babies (laughs) second second tier chris just slamming pokemon card game no for the trading card game harsh yes for everything else no for the game trading cards nope nope and more nope uh my husband actually has all of them from like red blue and gold silver and he has like beautiful collection of them and they are they are really gorgeous to look at i mean nowadays i'm sure there's like a billion million trillion but yeah they are they're really gorgeous anyway if you play the pokemon card game pokemon pro chris says no (laughs) to your trashy baby game so get out of here um yeah so but you know a layer above Pokemon 2000. I do want to spend a little bit of time on Pokemon the Movie 3, The Secret of the Unknown. So these creatures like were, were put in... I mean, they are Pokemon. I don't know why I just mm-hmm. said creatures. They're, they're Pokemon and they're called Unknowns. And they were shaped like the letters of the alphabet. So there were 26 of them. And you could... Whichever one you caught, you know, you'd be like, I got the one shaped like a W. Uh-huh. And, and they had like one eyeball. Yes, they have one eyeball somewhere on there, and they were these like mystical forces. And I think this was one of the first times we really got a sense of Pokemon expanding universes too. You know what I mean? Like like Celebi, and I bet Celebi wouldn't really really come around until movie four, which I had cut out by that point. But yeah. the unknown were alien, effectively. Like, they they were not creatures of Earth. And you felt this sense of, like, Pokemon is really a universe. You know what I mean? I think mentally in your head as a child, it's it's hard to, you know, conceive that. But you, you were in Kanto or, or Johto, and then all of a sudden, like, the unknown, like, ripped the lid clean off of that, right? Like, you you understood that there were these alien entities from outer space that were coming and, and coming to Earth. And so the unknown, like, 
rip a portal open and there's this young girl who lives uh she's like super wealthy she lives in this mansion and her mother passes away and she's super attached to her father and her father studies the unknown and then one day he gets like sucked into a portal and she is so distraught that she's like entei this mystical creature comes to her and forms a psychic connection with her and she basically like deludes herself into thinking that entei is her father because she can psychically connect and and like speak to him and he speaks in in actual like english and it was I know it sounds ridiculous, but this movie is so good. Like, it's it's genuinely moving. It genuinely, like, ups the stakes. It has a great animation, solid action. Like, I found it in a, a $5 bargain bin at one point <laughs> in Walmart, and Chris, I was all over this. I was just <laughs> like, I freaking love this movie. So, you know, if you never tried a Pokemon movie... You know, the first one was really good, but the, the third yeah. one, I really thought Secret of the Unknown, like, gave us some drama, you know, in a, in a world that's just usually, like, fluffy and fun and always right. for kids. It was pretty dramatic. You've got, right, you've got real emotional stakes. Yes. It's it's actually, like, about a, a person instead of being this whole, well, the legendary birds are gonna explode the world because... <laughs> Yeah, because they're trapped in a hot air balloon with Giovanni or whatever the heck. Uh-huh. Like the largest, you know, the largest hot air balloon of your life. Yeah, so, like, the first movie has, has Mewtwo and the emotion around, like, him being a person or not. And then the third, the third, the uh, unknown movie uh, has this, this child that you're, you're concerned about and it centers on, on, like, actual human stakes. So it's just a lot more moving it's a lot more uh involved yeah yeah it's really really good i haven't seen a pokemon movie since then but i don't know if they were ever able to capture that kind of of emotion in a movie again yeah i i I sort of stopped watching the movies at that point too so I, i i couldn't tell you so if you're one of our listeners, drop us a note if there is a Pokemon movie that you really stand behind that does it almost as good as Secret of the Unknown, the movie three. All right, Chris. Well, I've eaten up so much of your time. This was a ton of fun. I you think we should end with the ultimate question, which is, of course, gold or silver. And I think this is really boring this time because Yeah, this time it's the easy easy choice. It's obviously uh, it's, it's silver. silver. It's it's got to be silver. Yeah. Cuz Lugia is amazing and Ho-Oh is a stupid fire chicken. Exactly. Exactly. So boo on on Ho-Oh. Not feeling it. Mm. Ridiculous ridiculous all right well silver is the answer uh if you're a gold fan you're clearly in the same category as the people who played the pokemon card game competitively (laughs) babies get out of here um no i mean i had gold but the correct answer is silver all the way Mm -hmm. all right 
Well, Chris, this has been a ton of fun uh, talking about these games, you know, talking about all the nostalgia that came with them. It was a really, really big, exciting time in my JRPG journey and just my gaming journey in general. Like Pokemon has had such a big influence, you know, on my life. And uh, while I haven't continued that journey, I, I do have so much fondness for this this time and this era and all of these these cool cool things that Game Freak brought to life. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really great to talk about this with you. Awesome. Uh, if we if we play more Pokemon, I think we'll we'll have another chat. So hopefully we can have you back on or have you back on for for some other topic that you're really passionate about. All right, everyone. Well, that was a ton of fun. Uh, catch you next time. Hey everyone, Editing Sushma here. I wanted to try something new with this cast. I'm a fan of a podcast called No Stupid Questions, with Freakonomics host Stephen Dubner and Dr. Angela Duckworth. At the end of their cast, their producer Rebecca Lee Douglas does something known as a fact check, where she checks on statements made throughout the cast and corrects them for the listener, if that's necessary. I really like this, and so I've decided to do that here. I'm going to call this segment Checkpoint, a, so that if they ever discover my podcast, uh, No Stupid Questions doesn't sue me. And B, uh, I just think it's clever because it has a gaming reference. Just let me have this. So, here we go. So I mentioned in the cast that in order to breed Pokemon at the breeding center, you need to put two identical Pokemon of opposite genders in. Chris's statements afterwards rectify this a bit, but I did want to clarify how this worked. In Pokemon Gold and Silver, you did not need to put identical Pokemon in the breeding center. You could put any Pokemon with a ditto, and you could also put Pokemon of similar types, such as two flying or two bug types, and if their pair matched correctly within what's known as the same egg group, you'd get an egg that was the most unevolved form of the female's Pokemon, or whatever the non-ditto Pokemon was. Suicune's element gets brought up, and while we initially thought it was ice, we settle on it being water. This is in fact correct. It is water, so it's not a direct analogy to Articuno's ice type. I mistakenly call Entei, Raikou, and Suicune legendary dogs. As Chris stated in the game, they are in fact legendary beasts. Thank goodness for that, because Entei and Raikou are 100% cats. Chris mentions that the battery in Pokemon Gold and Silver needs to still be ticking in order to have your Pokegear clock running, and therefore, you can play the game. Many people on forum boards I looked into mention their game still runs, despite them buying it in 1999 when the game was originally released. Chris, this means we stand a chance at playing together. You really should go find your copy and see if it still works. At one point, I talk about taking a lonely journey with Pokemon Black or White on my Nintendo DS, potentially playing it myself without someone else to trade with just to see what that's like. Those games are stupidly expensive. I did a quick search on eBay and saw one version of a new copy of both games going for $250. In lieu of this, I don't think I'll be playing Pokemon Black and White anytime soon. When I talk about Pokemon the Movie 2000, I stated Giovanni was capturing the legendary birds Moltres, Zapdos, and Articuno. This is false. The antagonist is actually some random guy named Lawrence III. 
He's a total tool, and you should definitely look him up. I also discussed what Lawrence uses to capture the legendary birds, and I used the terms blimp, dirigible, and hot air balloon at one point. All of these are false and could not be farther from the truth. Lawrence III pilots a flying palace, which is shaped similar to a thread bobbin. The top and bottom of it, though, resemble wagon or chariot wheels more so than a thread bobbin, but the thread bobbin is a pretty good analogy. It's also super weird, and you should definitely check it out. I mentioned that there are 26 forms of the Pokémon Unknown. This is incorrect. There are 28 forms, because in addition to all the letters of the alphabet being present, there's also a question mark and an exclamation point. I stated that Pokémon the Movie 3 is called Secret of the Unknown. This is incorrect, and the movie is actually called Spell of the Unknown. I also completely botched the description of the plot of this movie, so I do really want to fix that here. The young protagonist, Molly, assembles pieces of the ancient unknown tablets, which summon the creatures into our world. The unknown, taking pity on her, use their powers to make Molly's wishes come true. When her father disappears into another dimension, one of Molly's wishes is desperately to have him back. This results in the unknown creating an illusion of Entei, which can then speak to Molly in human speech. As a last note, I mentioned that Molly's mother has died in this film. That's not correct. She was merely sucked into another dimension, exactly like her father in the beginning of the film. Again, this movie is highly recommended. I really, really think you should check it out. And that's it for the checkpoint. I hope this was helpful to you, and let us know in the comments if you liked it and hopefully we can do it again sometime. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.